You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest on the future of Martin Odegaard. We'll be talking Ben White as well. And of course, we'll be taking all of your questions and thoughts on those particular subjects in the live chat box. Now, still got no internet at home, so I'm still out and about Uh basically uh, moving around in order to make sure that I can get connection, which is the the biggest pain in the backside, hoping that when I get home this evening, uh, the issue will have resolved itself. Might be wishful thinking, but there we go. Um, Anyway, let's uh, let's crack on and let's talk about the subjects that we're here to talk about, one of which is definitely not uh, Virgin Media's poor service. And yes, I've named them and I've shamed them live on the podcast. Uh, but let's kick off with the news regarding Martin Odegaard. Now, I have maintained throughout the course of the last few weeks that this deal is not dead, that Martin Odegaard could still end up an Arsenal player, that he is Arsenal's number one target when it comes to a creative midfield player. We've known that to be the case uh, for a very, very long time. We knew it to be the case before uh, he'd said his goodbyes. Uh, We knew it to be the case even just a few weeks and uh, and a couple of months into his time uh, at the club. I think that this is clearly something that Arsenal want to do is clearly something that Arsenal see as, you know, as as the right deal, the right transfer and the right player to come in. And we've talked a lot about the profile of player that Arsenal are after right now. And that's the kind of player in around about the 23 to 24 year old age range. Somebody who has potential to develop further, somebody who's young enough for you to still have as a coach, a, a big impression on, but also um, you know, has that time, has that ability to increase their value, has that ability to develop with the team and as part of the big project that Arsenal and Martin Odegaard fits into that perfectly. Now, we've talked a lot about James Madison because, of course, he has been heavily linked with the club. And I said it on the last podcast. I do feel like Martin Odegaard, as a player, has a higher ceiling than uh, than James Madison. Now, people might disagree with that. People might think that that's wrong. Um And I think a lot of people felt that when Martin Odegaard took to social media at the end of his loan spell at Arsenal and thanked the club and thanked the supporters and thanked the manager and everybody for for making him feel really, really welcome in uh, North London, they thought that the deal was off and it was gone and it was completely dead. The problem is, is that what is Martin Odegaard to do in a situation like that? He doesn't know for sure he's coming back. So why wouldn't he thank everybody? And I think that was read into way too much. Now, Real Madrid's stance on Martin Odegaard has been that he's going to come back to the club. He remains a very big part of their future plans, etc., etc., And that he is um, going to go on and become this Real Madrid legend that they all thought he was going to be when they picked him up at just 16 years of age. And Martin Odegaard, listen, if he was going to make it at Real Madrid, if he was going to make that breakthrough at the Bernabeu with all the respect in the world, it would have happened by now. Because, you know, you get to this age in your career, 
you get to the point that Martin Odegaard is at and you should at least have some indication as to in which direction your career is going. You're talking about a 22-year-old now who didn't get a game in the first half of last season at Real Madrid and ended up coming to the Arsenal, where I think he looked really happy. I think he looked at home. I think he fit in really, really well. And I think he made a massive, massive impression on everybody at the football club, especially Mikel Arteta. I think what you've got to look at with this one is it's a deal that Arsenal want to do. It's a deal that's going to cost a lot of money, but it's always been a deal that Real Madrid will only do if it suits them. And as the transfer window goes on, I think there will become an increasingly bigger need for Real Madrid to raise some money. They're playing it cool at the moment. You know, they're in a place where they've still got more than a month remaining in the transfer window. They've got a number of players that they're looking to offload, but it's all good having players that you want to offload. And we know as Arsenal fans, because we're in exactly the same position, if nobody actually wants to pay for the players that you in your mind are planning to offload, then it's a bit of a problem. And if you're in desperate need, like Real Madrid are, to raise this money, then at some point you're going to have to make a decision. There's talk about Isco leaving the club. There's talk about a number of other players potentially leaving the Santiago Bernabeu in the summer. But how many of those players have a club in pursuit of them who would be willing to spend in excess of £40 million to make that deal happen? Very, very few. However, Arsenal are certainly in that place with Martin Odegaard. Arsenal's interest is certainly genuine. Arsenal, as I say, have always seen him as the number one target in that position. I think it's why we've probably not seen Arsenal linked with a lot of other players in that area. Yes, James Madison has been linked, but you know how reliable were those links? How close was that to ever happening? And we've had some really high-profile journalists over the last few days essentially pour cold water on that and say it's not really going to it's not a real possibility. It's not going to happen. It's unlikely to happen. It's going to cost too much money. But Odegaard remains in the picture. Odegaard remains someone that fits the bill perfectly. Is this deal going to happen tomorrow? No, it isn't. And I believe that it's one of those deals that is going to be dragged on right until the end of the transfer window. And I think Arsenal know that. I think Arsenal are aware of that. And I think they're playing the long game, the patient game, because what would be the point in going and signing somebody that you don't see as the right man just because you could get them in two or three weeks earlier? You know, that that's the thing here. We all as fans want to see Arsenal get all their business done. And we want to be able to say at the start of the, the season, when we kick off at Brentford on Friday, the 13th of August, that this is our team. This is our 11. But that's not the case. You know, that's not the case. It seems to me, or, or it's not going to be the case, I should say. It seems to me like Arsenal understand the way things are at the moment. And Arsenal are quite happy, maybe not happy, maybe happy is the wrong word, but are quite content to wait that little bit longer if it means getting in the player that they want. Now, I've not got this information on any authority. I've not heard it, you know, specifically from someone reliable or somebody that I would deem to be reliable, but it's been a feeling I've had throughout the course of this summer. Martin Odegaard is the number one target. And I don't think even when Arsenal fans having read his farewell message completely gave up hope of Martin Odegaard returning to the club that they actually have behind the scenes. I think that they will continue to push on this one. They will continue to press on this one and they will continue to do their utmost to try and strike a deal with Real Madrid. Now, obviously, 
as I've said to you guys before, I feel like the goalkeeping position and the centre of midfield are certainly more important areas. But Martin Odegaard is someone that Arsenal see as a priority. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up an Arsenal player by the time the transfer window slams shut. And there's been reports coming out of Spain, um, specifically from uh, the Spanish journalist Mario Torrejon, who says that, and, and I quote his words, he says, I think Odegaard is going to leave Real Madrid. I have seen him very disconnected. And that is in response to a clip that's been going around of the Real Madrid boys in training, some of them taking some shots at goal, them all scoring and there being sort of massive celebrations. And then Martin Odegaard dispatching his effort and there wasn't that much of a fuss made of it. I wonder if Martin Odegaard is indeed disconnected from the rest of the squad, if he's disconnected from Carlo Ancelotti, if he's been convinced that Real Madrid is the place for him, if he's been convinced that Real Madrid are going to offer him all of the things that they've promised, uh, you know, since he joined the club, which is to go on and become a Real Madrid legend. History suggests that he's not going to get that. You know, he's not going to be afforded that. And I think... Whether Carlo Ancelotti wants him or not, I think if there is an offer, 35, 40 million pounds on the table from Arsenal towards the back end of the window, I think that decision gets taken out of Carlo Ancelotti's hands. And Florentino Perez says, we could do with the money. The player's clearly not fitting in very well. He doesn't look 100% happy. And let's take the money. I think this is kind of down to Martin Odegaard as well. If he wants this to happen, he's got to make this happen. Because Arsenal, as I say, I'm pretty confident would be willing to do the deal and would do their utmost to make it happen. So it's one of those, a bit like the Granit Xhaka situation, where I think that Odegaard is not happy. There is a serious uh, offer on the table or a serious interest, at least, from a club. And like Roma have seemingly done to Granit Xhaka, where they've almost convinced him that this is the place for him. It's the place to come. They've offered him really enticing personal terms. And now they're urging the player to kind of force the move through and force his club to accept what may not be acceptable in their eyes just to make the transfer happen. I think Odegaard needs to do the same thing. But I think he would be a wonderful asset to the squad. I was really, really impressed by what I saw of him in the second half of last season. You've got to remember, he joined at the end of January. So he never really had that long. He had March, April and some of May. Um, sorry, February, March, April and some of May. So four months to really make an impact. And I think having had that four months, knowing and understanding the coaches he does, the teammates that he'll be playing with, most of them anyway, I think that he comes in if he does and he hits the ground running straight away. And I think he takes, as I've said before, some of that creative burden off of some of the other players. He gives us a technical security in the final third that I think we sometimes miss at times with certain players. I think he's got the vision to unlock defences. I think he's incredibly hardworking. I think the Premier League really, really suited him. And um, he gives us options in the way we want to play. You know, he can operate from the right-hand side. And I was just looking at some of the heat maps from Martin Odegaard in some of the games last season in which I was particularly impressed by him. And you, what you'll see is, yes, he maintains a central position and that obviously creates space in the wide areas for our wingers to operate. But he also... Um, he also holds that central position, uh, sorry, pulls out to that right-hand side quite frequently as well so that he can drive in on that stronger left foot of his. So I think he's a, a really talented lad. I think he would be a really good signing for Arsenal. And 
based on what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're reading, it doesn't look as though he's 100% happy at Real Madrid. So is this potentially back on? Well, it's definitely not dead. And that is the main thing here. Am I saying that negotiations are far down the line and that there is an expectation Martin Odegaard would join Arsenal Football Club? No, we're not at that point yet. But it does feel like there is a deal to be done if Arsenal push it and if Martin Odegaard himself pushes it. I've always said that Real Madrid are, are cash-strapped. I've always said that they would be tempted if the right money was on the table. And perhaps we'll have to wait at that little bit longer in the window. But I do think if it's possible, you know, or, or I do think if Arsenal really want it, I should say it is possible. So um, fingers crossed on that one because I'm a massive fan. Let me know your thoughts in the chat box on Martin Odegaard. Would you like to see him at the club? Um, let me just go over to the live chat to say a big thank you to Saeed Abdullah for your very, very kind super chat donation. He says, big up, Harry. You said there's another friendly this week. Any details? So I'll share with you the information I was passed on. And I was passed on, obviously, the information about the game at the weekend, which was which was obviously correct and, and accurate. I've been told that Arsenal are planning to play Watford in a friendly this Wednesday. Now, I was told this information and I had no reason to doubt the source and I don't doubt the source. I'm not saying that they would have made it up. Um, you know, I think that it is, you know, they've given me very reliable information in the past. But... Uh, Watford are scheduled to play Stevenage on Tuesday, which is the only thing that in the back of my mind casts a little bit of doubt. So are Watford going to name a Watford 11, if you like, to take on Stevenage the night before and focus on the game against Arsenal? Of course, a fellow Premier League club. Um, it would be a really, really good test for them. They've got a new manager. They've got some new players, etc., etc. Um, And, you know, they may want to, well, a new manager relatively, but it's Watford, isn't it? They change managers uh, week in, week out. But it is an opportunity for them to test themselves against a, a better side. And I think that they'd be silly not to take that. So I don't 100% know if it is going ahead, um, but I have been told it is, and I'm quite confident in the source that's told me that. So uh, we will uh, bring you more on that as and when we know, but it, it does look like Arsenal have a friendly planned for Wednesday. I think it is going to be Watford, but I don't know what that means, as I say, for their game, which is scheduled to take place against Stevenage. Um, what else have we got here in the live chat? Uh, I can see some of you talking uh, about uh, Onana, the goalkeeper. Uh, Daniel says, Harry doesn't read half my super chats. I've not seen a super chat from you. Uh, oh, there it is. My apologies, mate. I've missed it. Uh, it says, beginning to get wor very worried about Omar. Omar's one of our regular viewers. I'm sure he's fine, mate. Maybe he's just taking a day off from YouTube. It doesn't mean um, that, that something's happened to the guy, but um, yeah, I'm sure Omar's fine. He said, I had the weirdest dream last night. It began with me playing a game of snooker with Mikel Arteta. Thoughts? That's why I don't read them because they're so random uh, and completely off topic, but thank you anyway. Uh, right. Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Uh, on the subject of Odegaard's side, says I'd love to have him back. Um, Daniel says Odegaard looks lost from what I saw yesterday. Uh, that's at Real Madrid. Uh, Mayo Haiguna says I'm more up for Odegaard than a knockoff Jack Grealish in brackets Madison. Um, Arvin says surely it's Odegaard that we want. And there you go, Daniel. Omar is in the chat. There you go. He's fine. Uh, just as I said, he would be. 
Right. Uh, let's take this question from Philip Bevan, who says, Harry, how long does the club wait before they have to overpay to get in the players they want, whilst also expect, accepting being underpaid for the players we want to get rid of? This is the thing, right? And this is why you often see um, a lot of business done in the dying stages of transfer windows, in the closing stages of transfer windows, because nobody wants to budge. Nobody wants to give up, you know, their right to get a certain amount in for a player or to or, or wants to pay over the odds for a player. Everybody wants to get the best deal possible. And when the window approaches its end, people get in a position where, as I was talking about earlier on when we were speaking about Xhaka, they might, for example, have a player at their club that doesn't want to be at their club, that they have agreed to move on, that they're happy to move on, that they need the money from. And so they'll be more likely at that point in the window when time is running out to take a lower offer, to take a, a cheaper offer, to take an offer that maybe doesn't match their initial valuation. Um, and, and that's just the way it is. It's always been like that. It's like that in any negotiation, right? You get towards the end of the window in which you can negotiate and all of a sudden there's an, a greater appetite and a greater hurry to get those deals along the line. And when you do things quickly and you do things in a rush, somebody has to give way somewhere. And that's where you end up getting cheaper deals. So it's why I've always maintained Arsenal are not going to get every single bit of business that they want to do in this window done by the time we play Brentford. And, and I don't think we should be expecting that. If we stop, um, if we stop expecting that, then we won't be we won't be wound up and frustrated when we get to that point. Obviously, we'd love to have our squad in, but it just isn't. Um, We'd love to have our squad in place, I should say, by the time we kick off the Premier League season. But it isn't always possible and things don't always work like that. So let's just be understanding of the circumstances in which the club are operating. And it's not just Arsenal. There are many teams out there. There are fans of all different clubs looking at their t their squads and going, we need this, we need that. And, you know, there's 18 days till the Premier League season and we haven't done anything. What is going on? We're not the only ones. Um Iceman says, hi, Harry, who would you prefer Arsenal go for between Madison and Odegaard if the price was right? As I've said previously, for me, Martin Odegaard has a higher ceiling than James Madison. I genuinely do believe that. I've seen flashes from Martin Odegaard that lead me to believe he is going to be a top, top player. I'm not saying James Madison is not a good player. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a fantastic player. But he's going to cost us an absolute arm and a leg. And I don't think that he's worth, say, say, for example, Odegaard's available for 40 million and Madison is available for 70 million, which we've heard is the price that Leicester would probably be looking for. Is there a 30 million pound difference in the two players in terms of their quality and their ability? I would say no. The only difference between the two is that one's shown himself to be very good in the Premier League. One hasn't really had enough time to make that impression. But I didn't look at Odegaard when he was in full flow and think, uh, he's not quite as good as James Madison. Like That thought never crossed my mind. So for me, um, I, I lean towards Odegaard. I think he's he's got that higher ceiling. And I think he fits in. We know already that he fits into Mikel Arteta's way of playing. And he also has a very good relationship with him. Uh, somebody that the club were uh, incredibly uh, happy with during his loan spell. And uh, I think that seeking to make that deal permanent would, would be better. Uh, Banos also says, I'd rather have Odegaard than an overpriced Madison. It's a case with all English talent. Uh, agree. Uh, Chris says, spending club always win. We need big spending owners, Harry. Yeah, we do. But, you know, 
it's really difficult to like look the Cronkies have done so much wrong since they took especially since they took full control of the club there's been so many things I've looked at and gone you got this horrendously wrong um and you know it, it's cost us but when it comes to actually spending money so forget who it's spent on when it comes to actually spending funds I don't think they've been as bad as people make them out to be. And this is not me sitting here defending them because I do think they need to leave the club. I do think we'd be better off without them. But, you know, it's 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 down to the people that are spending the money, that are actually spending the money, the people that are identifying the players and then following through with the recruitment process to make sure they get the right players in. You know, Stan Kroenke doesn't know who James, couldn't tell James Madison or Martin Odegaard, you know, who's who, what's what. He, he doesn't have a Scooby. So he's relying on the people at the club to do the right business. And unfortunately, the right business has not been done. You know, we spent £27 million on William Saliba and he's out on loan. We spent £72 million on Nicola Pepe, who I do think is going to have a very good season and has shown signs of the talent that attracted us to him in the first place. But £72 million? Excessive. You look at people like Granit Xhaka, who had a good season last season, but prior to that was, was average, you'd say. We spent almost £40 million on him. So there's been so many deals that have been done that have, you know, that have not worked out as we'd have hoped. But in terms of actual money, in terms of what we actually spent in terms of figures, we've actually spent a lot of money. And I don't think it's 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 an excuse to keep saying that we don't spend money because I think we do. We've just spent it really badly. Mile High Guna says, I missed the earlier pod. We'll check after this. But what do you think of the links of Lacquer to Atletico? And does the price sound worth it? Um, I haven't actually seen a price on that. So let me know in the chat what that price is said to be. But I have seen rumours about Lacazette potentially going to Atletico Madrid. He is a player that they've wanted for many, many years. They haven't changed the manager. Uh, Diego Simeone still the man at the helm there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does, um, you know, think that, that, um, you know, he's still someone that can do a job and he'd probably be looking to pick him up in a cut price deal, given his contract situation at the Arsenal. I do think a decision, as I keep saying, needs to be made on Lacazette. But for me, you've got to be bringing in more than £15 million is the, the benchmark for me at which you say anything below that, no, anything there or thereabouts or above, we take it and we move him on. Because with his contract situation, the way it is, um, you know, it's it's going to be bad business if we let him run it down. Equally, though, you know, I think he's been really important for us over the last sort of 12 months. I think he had a, probably one of his best seasons in a long time last year. And so you've got to weigh up whether that £15 million that I'm setting as a benchmark, not the club, is uh, is worth missing out on for what he brings you on the pitch. That's the big decision that the manager um, has to make. There you go. Uh, let's take um, a couple more of your comments. Uh, Anthony says, Madison is Premier League proven. Odegaard didn't show enough for me while we had him on loan. Um, interesting. Uh, this Premier League proven thing, though, is just because you've, I mean, you can be Premier League proven, right? Which which James Madison obviously is. But we've only given Martin Odegaard four months in the Premier League. And for me, that is, it's really harsh to say that he can't cut it in the Premier League because I thought a lot of the time he did look like he could cut it. He actually looked to me at times like he was made for the Premier League. And so 
you know, when you look at how he came into the side and how fit he looked and how, when you consider, but remember, right, when he came, he hadn't played any games in that entire season. And he came in in January and he got himself up to speed so quickly. Um, you know, I don't think the physical side of the Premier League is going to be a concern with someone like Martin Odegaard. The issue is that, you know, to say that Odegaard can't cut in the Premier League or isn't Premier League proven is a little bit harsh when you've seen someone who's been playing there for, for a few years now and someone who just had four months in the in the division. Premier League proven is not the be-all and end-all. And sometimes I'd rather wait for a player uh, to settle for a few months and him be the right man in the long term than rush into something just because someone's played in the Premier League. I, I just can't get my head around anybody wanting to pay £70 million for James Madison. He's just not on that level for me. He's a good attacking midfield player, and that's that. £17 million is madness. Absolute madness. Um, not for me. Let's take this one from Marius, who says, I truly feel if Odegaard was to come back, he would be even better and stronger than he was. Surely this is a brain-dead decision. Um, Josh says, uh, Odegaard ain't it. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, so there you go. Uh, mixed opinions on whether we should pursue a deal for Martin Odegaard, whether he would be the right man to come in and uh, play in that attacking midfield role. Let's uh, quickly remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, want to get that bush as trim and as lush as the Emirates Stadium pitch, hopefully not as green though, then head over to manscaped.com, enter our discount code, which is 90min20 and you'll get 20% off at manscaped.com. So 20% off of your total order as well as free shipping. Drop a couple more questions in the chat box. I'll pick some of those up. But first, make sure that if you haven't already, you've hit that like button and you have subscribed to the channel uh, because uh, we're heading towards 15,000 subscribers. We'd love to get there sooner rather than later. We've got over 280 of you watching us live uh, across the multiple platforms right now, but we're only on 55 likes. Let's get it up to 100 likes as soon as possible. It really, really does help. Uh, so thank you all in advance for uh, hitting that little like button. Also, if you want to become a member of the channel, you can do so, and I'll be revealing uh, some new stuff that the members will be getting uh, going into the new season. Um, been working on the membership proposition behind the scenes because I realize that it needs more, needs more love, it needs more care, it needs more time. And I'm currently sort of shifting things around to make sure that we can do that, um, that we can uh, we can do that and, um, and uh, bring you guys a better proposition moving into the new season. Let's go back over to the live chat again. He says, Harry loves the negative comments. We, the positive comments, get no chance here. That is not true. At all. I picked the comments at random. Believe me, if you were trying to speed through an entire podcast, uh, as well as picking out comments and trying to read them in your in your head while you're talking about something else so that you can lead into the next one almost flawlessly. Uh, I, I miss things and I apologize. It's just part and parcel of it. Um, crypto money team says Sabitza is a better and cheaper option than both Matters and Odegaard. Um, what else have we got here? Um, Nicholas Arthur says Madison is on record as saying he's a better number eight. Uh, what do you think about him being the replacement for Xhaka and bringing in Odegaard as well? I'm not sure I would trust Odegaard defensively in this current system and shape that we play 
Odegaard, sorry, Madison. I'm not sure I would trust Madison in that sort of uh, deeper lying midfield position. Unless Arsenal are going to change to a 4-3-3, I don't think that works. And I've not seen anything in pre-season uh, just yet to suggest that Mikel is planning to make that change. I think it will be a 4-2-3-1 at the start of the season. And I'm just not sure Madison is uh, disciplined enough, uh, is tactically aware enough to play in that deeper area, backfill the spaces that are vacated by the fullbacks when they get forward and uh, and partner Thomas Partey in midfield when it gets a little bit tough in there and, and it's got to get a little bit physical. So that's my view on him. He might say that, but in my opinion, he isn't, he isn't there. Uh, tears of disgust says, isn't 45 to 50 million pounds for Odegaard the same amount of, as the same amount of ridiculous as 65 million for Madison. If it comes down to those prices, I think Madison is the obvious choice in my opinion. I don't think it will cost 45 to 50 million though, to get Martin Odegaard. I think 40 million max you've got him in the bag, in which case I don't think Madison is a 25 million pound better player than him. And that's my uh, take on that. Um, Michael Grayson says, former Arsenal players say that Odegaard is a baller and I trust their opinion more than my own. I think he's good, by the way. Um, DV says, I love your streams because you're one of the few who doesn't shout and rant to get views. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, my friend. Really appreciate it. Uh, Jay Ozzy says, why do you think people are having this fake outrage on Twitter regarding the transfer window? I think it's just the way the game is seen in the eyes of so many people. It's like, I want everything and I want it yesterday. And that's just not the reality, is it? I mean, if you cast your minds back to, if you remember, if you're old enough, of course, I mean, I'm 30 and I remember the days where there was no Twitter, there was no social media. The most transfer talk you got was picking up the newspaper in the morning and you might get a couple of lines here and there on different stories and looking up, looking up, looking up on on teletext. And I mean, because there wasn't so much information around, because there weren't so many rumours, because it was just a completely different time. I don't think people had enough information to be outraged by. I think now we're in the age of information where people get, uh, you know, not just sort of different drips and drabs from various outlets, but you also get a lot of fake news. And I think a lot of the fake news winds up people, it irritates people. And it, you know, like I hear people sometimes saying, oh, we could have got this player and we ended up with this player. And you don't really know if we could have got that player because that negotiation with that player never got that far down the line, never got far enough down the line for us to say, well, we're in a place now where we can literally choose between one or the other. It just, it, it, it you know, it's all kind of overblown and it becomes, uh, you know, a little bit misleading at times. It's it's the classic, you know, people say we could have got N'Golo Kante and we got Granite Xhaka and maybe we could have got N'Golo Kante. But the, the point is the discussions regarding N'Golo Kante never got so far down the line that people sat there and went that, or that Arsene Wenger and whoever else was in charge at the time sat at a table with a picture of, of N'Golo Kante in the one hand and one of Granite Xhaka in the other and went, right, which one of these are we going to choose? I'll tell you what, I'll go with Granite Xhaka. It, it never got to that stage. And that's where people need to kind of wake up a little bit to what actually goes on in these negotiations and, and how these things actually work. And, and, and I've, you know, I've, I think I've learned quite a fair amount about it in recent years covering the sport. 
um, the way I do now. And I've of and I've also gone on a course uh, when I first left my bank job, and I was a little bit kind of. I had a couple of months where I was struggling for work and my days were a little bit empty and I was looking for things to do. Um, I, I went on a course. I signed up to a course about being a football agent, um, a football intermediary course. And I went through the entire course, took me a few weeks, um, had a mentor, et cetera, et cetera. Went through kind of the transfer process from the other side, from the agent side and how you need to act and how you need to do things and how they would deal with multiple offers for their client, et cetera, et cetera. And the process of it all. And I can tell you, it's not as simple as some fans would have you believe. And that's why we should be a little bit more understanding when deals do take a bit of time to go through or when deals, um, you know, are sort of stuttering along rather than kind of just being done just like that. So, um, yeah. That's that's all I'll say on that. The the outrage thing. Let's just see what happens. Let's just chill out and see what happens. And if the window uh, isn't as fulfilling as we hope, if we do start the season with a maybe not if we start the season, if we do get to the end of the window and our squad is nowhere near what we want it to be, then I think we can um, we can sit there and we can we can make these judgments. But right now it's a little bit premature. It's a little bit harsh. Let's take this one from Addy and Davids, who says, Harry, do you feel like me? It's sad to see at this stage of the rebuild process and watch other teams sign in awesome players, e.g. Haaland, Varane and Sumari. Yeah, look, you know, we'd love to see Arsenal. Um, we'd love to see Arsenal be able to do those kind of deals. Who doesn't? You know, we all want to see Arsenal have the best players. We want to all want to see Arsenal be as competitive as they possibly can be. But I, Haaland is a different kettle of fish, right? Because he's very young and he's got the world at his feet and he's got an incredible ceiling and he can go on to great things. Rafa Varane, though, um, is another player that, you know, I like and I admire him for everything he's done. You know, he's he's a very accomplished centre-back, French international. He's won the Champions League four times. He's won the World Cup as well, if I'm not mistaken. But at 28 years old, somebody like Rafa Varane, is, is great if you've got money to throw about. If you're Manchester United and you can throw 40, 50 million pounds around for somebody who's only going to be at your club, probably at the top of his game for a maximum of three, four years before you're then looking to move him on. And you're going to take on the salary that you're going to be paying him, which is going to be astronomical, bearing in mind he's coming from Real Madrid. Then, you know, you do that. And, and clubs like Manchester United can do that. Arsenal are not in that position. Arsenal are not able to do that anymore. And therefore, the type of investments we are making now are investments that will serve us for a long time. And if they, if we do get to the point where we need the money or we feel like we can move them on, they'll maintain their sell-on value because of their profile, because of their age, because of you know how they're hopefully going to develop over the coming years. Rafa Varane is at that level now. For Rafa Varane, you pay 40, 50 million pounds for him. You're only going to lose out now. And, and that's a, a different strategy. It's a strategy that served Chelsea, Manchester City and Manchester United very, very well over the years. But it's not the right way for Arsenal to go at the moment. It really isn't. And I talked about it. I think it was maybe yesterday or the day before where we talked a little bit about how the Premier League has changed, how different it is, how the fact that there are clubs that are more powerful than us in the transfer market nowadays. And sometimes as fans, we have to we have to accept that. We have to acknowledge that. For many, many years, Arsenal have been in decline. And for many, many years, the squad has needed gutting. It's needed rebuilding. 
And we are doing that, or we're at least trying to do that. And you can see that in the players that we're being linked with. You can see that in the players that we've already signed. You can see it in the way that we've tied down the likes of uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka. Those guys are our future superstars. Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Kieran Tierney. Those guys are the future of Arsenal Football Club. And they could go on to be really, really great players and grow together and become a really formidable side. But... It's nice to be able to do that, you know, Adrian, as you say, to be able to go out and get these players. But if the finances don't allow it, then you've got to do it in another way. And Arsenal are trying to do it in that alternative way. Only time will tell if it'll work. Only time will tell if it's the right approach. But it's the approach that we're going down. And I think we've got to give it a chance to fail before we start uh, having a go. You know, yes, it would be lovely to get Haaland in up top. Yes, it would be lovely to bring Rafa Varane in to come in and instantly improve our back line. But is it the smart way to go about business right now for Arsenal? We're talking about a rebuild that is hopefully going to see us uh, get back on the right path and start progressing again for the next four or five seasons. We can't look that short term because we simply don't have the money to throw about. And we, and having done that in years gone by, as I've talked about before with the likes of Xhaka, who look coming towards the end of his contract, He's got a couple of years left on his contract now and his sell-on value is not even half, according to Roma, of what we paid to bring him in. And this guy's in the peak years of his career. He's 28 years old and we can't even get half of what we spent on him. We're struggling to get that. You look at Shkodran Mustafi, we paid £35 million for him, a player in that slightly older age profile than what we're looking at now. I think he was 26, 27 when we signed him. And we had to terminate his contract. Mesut Ozil, we gave that huge bumper deal to. We had to terminate his contract. Socrates, we brought in uh, with a view to him playing in the back line for a couple of seasons. And, you know, that was all it was going to be. It was never a long-term signing. And look, we had to terminate his contract as well. So Arsenal need to be smarter in the way that they do business, uh, for sure. It would be great to go and get the top, top players instantly. But that's just not the way that Arsenal are going to rebuild this club. It's not the way we're going to get back to where we need to be. You can, you know, you probably need to do, you need to spend big on a couple of players to kind of make that difference. But you look at Liverpool, you know, aside from the Van Dykes and the, you know, the Allisons and maybe what, Mane, who they paid um, some decent money for from Southampton. Yeah, they spent money, but they didn't read. It wasn't 70, 80, 100 million pound players. Aside from Van Dyke and Allison, as I say, they brought in players like Jeannie Wijnaldum for a reasonable amount of money for what he brought to the side. Roberto Firmino, reasonable amount of money. Um, you know, Jordan Henderson was at the club for many, many years. And then you have players like Trent Alexander-Arnold coming through. And they found the right balance between going and getting those big signings that you need to make the difference, but also blooding through some of the players that were coming through and also being able to pick up bargains. And you need a bit of all of that because Liverpool, like us, can't compete financially with United, with Chelsea and with City. So it's a really interesting question. But I do think that the, the the landscape of football at the moment means that we've got no choice really but to go down this route in terms of uh, rebuilding the team. Right, I am going to leave it there uh, because I've got to get back home, as I say, uh, at my grandparents' place today recording the podcasts because uh, I've got no internet, which is an absolute pain in the backside. Uh, just a bit of a warning uh, 
uh, ahead of tomorrow. Uh, I won't be doing any content during the day. Um, that is Tuesday because uh, I've got to attend uh, a personal uh, appointment during the day, which is going to take me out of action. Uh, but I will be back in the evening and I'll be bringing you a podcast tomorrow evening live here on the YouTube channel. It'll be available on Wednesday morning uh, for those of you who prefer to listen via the audio platform. So uh, just uh, just a forewarning that there will be no midday show tomorrow. Unfortunately, it's not something I can uh, avoid. It's something I need to do. Uh, but I promise I'll make it up in terms of content over the coming 24 hours. Right. I'll catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care. And uh, if you haven't done so already, in fact, I'm going to check right now where we're at. Make sure you hit that like button. We've only got 95 likes. Come on, we're five away from hitting the 100 mark. Hit them now. Let's get them in by the time the outro finishes. I'll catch you all very soon. Till next time. Bye bye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.